Father, you are a treasure, and we want you to be known in all of your beauty and your splendor and your supremacy. So this morning, as we look at your word, we want you to be famous. We want to make much of you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who is your glory in human form. We pray in his name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, this morning when I saw some of these guys with the green on, I said, what's, wow, what's the green? And Steve Connect said, well, we're bringing Christmas back already. <laughs> so, hey, you know, they always say the church is behind culture. We might as well get up front, right? And uh, we'll start Christmas 11 months before, beforehand, so. Um, yeah, just a quick note. After second service, after the, I mean, after this service, I'm going to, I have to meet some people right at 1030 in that room, so I'm going to be... I won't be hanging around the back this morning, just to let you guys know. Um, got a text this week, so I'm getting all my first, like my first kid picture of me as a merman, and my first this and first that. Uh, got my kind of first text as a response to a sermon. Um, it was from Carissa, our oldest, who's at, in North Carolina right now. She says, you know you're your father's daughter when you're curious about what he preached about so go to listen a little to a little of his latest sermon, and he's praying his opening prayer, and he says, Hi, King of Heaven, and I heard, Hi, King of Heaven. <laughs> that was, and she's got the face, you know, the palm, the face plant thing there, that's pretty cute. Uh, and I, Tim Wright, I'll never look at this picture the same again because of what you and I shared. So um, anyways, we're continuing with the journey onward, um, and this is the last week we're going to talk about our quest. We have talked about our captain, Jesus. We've talked about our quest being um, living for his story, which is his desire, his, his mission to restore all things, one person, one place at a time, and that's exactly what the Mexico mission team was sharing, and that was great. We also talked, that's his cosmic, his big picture one. His small picture is his, his desire to bring me into relationship with himself, restore that relationship, and then be restoring me uh, by conforming, forming, conforming, and transforming me into the image of his son so that I start having that family resemblance. And last week, we talked a little more of what that looks like because remember, the first, the movement of Jesus at the beginning was called the way, and the people who knew Jesus were called the followers of Jesus' way. That's what they were known as. So we want to be people who follow His way. So I want to end with one more really big picture thing that in my mind is part of our quest as a community. And what I want to start with is Isaiah 61.3. And if I take that idea of God's transforming us into His image, then we will be called oaks of righteousness and we will be a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor the display of His splendor. And what I want to talk about this morning is the glory of God being part of our quest. Read a few scripture. Jeremiah 13, 11, I created Judah and Israel to cling to me, says the Lord. They were to be my people for my renown and praise and glory and honor to my name. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. In Ephesians 3, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is a work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
And my favorite, Isaiah 26, 8-9. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your glory are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night, in the morning. My spirit longs for you. So I want to talk about this concept of the glory of God. And to do that, I need to do a couple things first. I need to, uh, we need to do the words. There are two, there's a word in the Old Testament in Hebrew for glory, and there's a New Testament. They both mean a little different thing, but together I think they give us a picture of what it means to live for God's glory. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is kavod. Can you guys say that with me? Kavod. You've heard the name Ichabod, the glory is departed. It's Ichavod, but that's that, that word. And it really means to have substance, to have importance, um, to have weight, to be heavy. That's, that's actually the original meaning of the word was just heavy. There's a dude, Eglon in Judges, who was a really big guy, was called Kavod Kavod, like heavy, heavy. That guy was, he was a big guy. Um, but it's, it's when something is weighty, or the substance of something that's really important. Um, and we do this in English, right? Like, like something really big happens. We go like, whoa, that's heavy. Marty, why do you keep saying heavy? In the future, is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull, right? Back to the future, right. But heavy. We'll say, uh, I'm feeling heavy. In fact, I read something yesterday from a friend that really made me feel heavy. Or we'll say, this is a weighty matter, weighty, really important. So a person's kavod, it's their significance, their importance, it's their reputation. It's the weight that surrounds them. It's the weightiness, the gravity of the person. And this word speaks to God's weight, to His greatness. Someone with great weight is deserving of great honor and great respect, would you not say? Someone to be taken seriously. And God being the creator and ruler of the universe, he has great, no, I would say he has ultimate weight. Wouldn't you not agree? Yep. The New Testament word is doxa. And this is really more of what we think of when we hear the word glory. It talks, it's a lot about the idea of light and brightness and brilliance and radiance. Um, someone's doxa, it's their splendor, their beauty, it's their intrinsic worth that shines out. Um, we, we, yeah, so it's this idea of beauty. We use this phrase a lot. You've heard, you've, maybe you go to a wedding and as the bride's walking down, not only is she dressed beautiful, but she's just glowing from the inside out, right? Radiant. And we say, there she is in all of her glory, meaning there she is in all of her radiant beauty. That's, that's kind of this idea of this word, this word doxa. Um, it speaks to God's beauty and to His goodness. Someone with great beauty is deserving of love and praise. Someone to be made much of. And God being pure and holy, He has great, now I would say He has ultimate doxa or glory. So that kind of sets the stage what glory is, weight and beauty, weight and beauty. And when we're in the Bible and we talk about glory and God's glory, there's two other words that are really important I just need to briefly mention. Um, magnify. One is magnify, magnification. The other is manifest or manifestation. So with the magnify, um, there's two ways you can magnify something. When you magnify with a, like with a microscope, you make something tiny look bigger than it is. Something tiny look bigger than it really is. But when you magnify with a telescope, 
you make something unimaginably great look more like what it really is. Does that make sense? I'll show you an example in a minute. With a telescope, you get a better picture of what something's truly like. When we magnify ourselves, this is what we're doing. We're making something small. Not that we're insignificant, but we're making us larger than we are. And when we, but when we magnify God, we're blowing Him up to the, to the degree that He is. Um, look, I'm going to show you in a second this, but to magnify is this, to make evident the fullness of God's surpassing greatness and radiant beauty, to give a bigger picture of God showing His true size and His true splendor. Does that make sense? And if I use that telescope, like you go out and look at the stars, this is what you see. But when we use Hubble and Hubble magnifies, we realize those little pinpricks in the sky are really this. And they're that. And that little point of light is really that. And that thing that looks so small is really this or this. And we see it when it's magnified. We see in the enormity and the size, we see the radiance and the beauty. And what was once unimpressive, when we see those details, it grabs our attention and our heart even responds, right, to that. So, the other word is manifest or manifestation. Um, before I read that, you know, anytime there's, whenever somebody has kavod or doxa, when they have glory, there's always physical manifestation. Think of the president. If, let's say, he were going to speak this morning, you'd show up and there'd be secret service all over the place, right? And when he comes in, what's that song they play? Something to the, hail to the chief? They'd play Hail to the Chief. That's a physical manifestation. He'd have, on the podium, they'd have the seal of the United States. Air Force One would be parked out in our parking lot, so we'd all be in the grass and all that, right? You would see physical manifestations of His glory and His kavod, and it's that way with God. All in the, all in the Bible, when God shows up, you, there's like earthquakes, thunder, storms, fire, lightning. There's also bright light and brilliance. So there's physical manifestation that accompanies Him. Um, and what we just read in Isaiah, that we are to be for His splendor, is that we're created to show His splendor that we are to be a physical manifestation of His glory. And that's, so this, so to manifest is to put on display, to make visible, to show forth God's supremacy and His infinite worth, to reflect Him as He truly is in His full weight and beauty, that we are to be a manifestation. We are to magnify, we are to manifest. John Piper said, the life of each person who is a Christian should be nothing more or less than an ongoing, ever-improving display of who God is and all His wonder, awe, and power. Hey, quick thing about that quote. I don't believe everything John Piper says. I don't believe everything anybody I read says. I don't believe half of what I say. So just because I quote somebody doesn't mean I'm building my whole life on that person. But if somebody has truth, then I'm willing to, to share it. So let me then, then how do we magnify God, and how do we manifest Him? And just two things that I find in Scripture. I think to know Him as He truly is and to make Him known. And this really ought to be our heart's desire. This ought to be our quest, right? To know Him and to make Him known. I want Him magnified and manifested to me in my own life. I want to find Him to be all-sufficient and all satisfying. And I want, as I get to know Him, 
I find him more praiseworthy, more trustworthy, and more loveworthy. That's kind of the goal. I think in this category, it's a desire for me personally to see, to know, to experience him as he truly is in his full weight and his full beauty, to learn more of what he's like. And I chose these two, all-sufficient, all-satisfying, because those to me encompass His weight and His beauty. And we're, we're going to come back to this in a year or so, and I'm going to get more specific and more specific application, but can I just throw out an example? As I find Him all-sufficient, my worry levels about things out of my control drop, right? Decrease, and I exhibit more of His peace. I experience more of His peace. Does that make sense? As I find Him more satisfying as I spend time with Him and He fills my heart, I experience greater levels of joy, my joy levels increase. Does that make sense? As I get to know Him, as He is manifested and magnified in me. But it's not, that's not enough. It's not just to know Him, but it's to make Him known. I want to magnify and manifest Him to others. I want to show Him to be all-sufficient and to be all-satisfying in my life. So an example, I know the rights are going through this, heavy times, right? Heavy, kavod, like heavy, and not living it perfectly. We have an ongoing conversation, days of struggle, ups and downs, but generally, they're putting their trust in Him and trusting His greatness, His, his sufficiency, and Tim spends so much time in the Word every day finding Him satisfying, and, and they are exhibiting and manifesting that to people in the community who know them. Does that make sense? People are watching them, finding Him all satisfying and all sufficient. And what that leads to then is people who see that find God praiseworthy and trustworthy and loveworthy through Him. It's that I read the other day, two weeks ago, I think, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of what you eat or drink but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And as I come to know Him, as I really come to know Him and His greatness and His beauty, I am changed and transformed. I fall in love with Him. I trust Him more. I experience more of that joy and peace. And as He transforms me, He makes me more like Himself, right? Because that transformation work, He forms me and is His work. He makes me more like Himself, and as I become more like Himself, people see exhibited that goodness and that peace and that joy of the kingdom in my own life. That's kind of how it works. So, here's kind of, to me, what we want to do is we, I want to enjoy Him. John Piper again, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Most glorified when we're most satisfied. And not only I want to enjoy Him, I want to display Him. And this can't just be an individual goal to display Him. This is our community quest, right? That not just Garen is displaying Him, but that we as a community, the way we act and interact with one another in small groups, on ministry teams, in different outings, that in that, in that community, we are showing that we enjoy Him and that we are putting Him on display. So application for this morning. Two prayers. And you'll get the gist. 
Prayer number one, to know just something like this. Every morning when you get up before you are in His Word, Lord, this morning as I engage Your Word, I want to see and feel Your weight. And I want to see and feel Your beauty and forget the hymn. I don't know how that got in there. Maybe sing a hymn at this point. Break into Him. No, just I want to see this morning as I'm in your word, I want to see and I want to feel your weight, and I want to see and I want to feel your beauty. Not a bad thing to pray every morning, right? And as you enter the word, that's your lens. I want to see you great and good, your greatness and goodness. And then how about this for a prayer? Before you, as you you leave the word and before you enter your day, Lord, more than anything, I want you to be famous. Help me to live my life today in such a way that I enhance your fame. That's not a bad prayer, is it? Lord, I want to know you, I want to feel and see your weight and your beauty, and I want to make you famous. So please, the choices I make, the things I do, the way I talk, my, that, that, that it's to enhance your fame. So, to glorify God, to give Him glory. We want to make much of Him. Do you, do you hear how often John Sapp said that? He said that a lot, that language of making much of Him. The language I prefer, I want to share with you, that helped me a lot because glorifying God, giving Him glory, is a little bit of a vague concept, kind of abstract. And I don't know where I heard this, but I ran into somebody who said, instead of talking about God's glory, talk about His fame and making Him famous. And that really made it concrete to me because I want God to be the talk of the town. I want God to be the talk of the town. So can, I want to read these scriptures again, but I'm changing them from glory to fame or famous. And I'd like to ask, would you guys read the yellow for me? And they're not being rude. Yeah. This isn't like Sam running out for the Play-Doh, which wasn't rude, by the way. That was awesome. I loved the joy in that little boy. Because we are going to be partaking of the Lord's table here in a minute. But when we read these, would you read the yellow with me? Would you read the yellow with me? So Isaiah, let's read that one again. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His fame. And Jeremiah 13, 11, I created Judah and Israel to cling to me, says the Lord. They were to be my people for my renown and praise and fame and honor to my name. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to make God famous. Ephesians, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be fame in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And the one I love And we've taken groups of students to the Passion Conference multiple times. This is the theme verse for them because they have found that the young generation has this renewed passion for God's fame, for His glory. And this is kind of the thing they're calling that generation to. But my daughter and son-in-law, or future, I guess not yet, future, and I mean the young, the college, this is not just for your generation. Shouldn't our hearts cry be Isaiah 26? So they're called the 26-8 generation. How about we be the 26-8 community? Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your your laws. There's that walking 
like last week, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your fame are the desire of our hearts. Your name and your fame, that's the desire of my heart. That's what I long for. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. God, I want to make you famous. I want to make you famous. It's not a bad verse to commit to memory, those two verses. Um, If you feel tugged by God, like, I need to live more for His fame, this is a great thing to put in your mind for God to use to help you walk that path. Now, I know there are some people here this morning that I'm sure would say, I have a hard time, or I'm not yet there, I'm struggling to find God weighty and or beautiful. Maybe it's the beautiful is the really hard one. I'm struggling with that. So I want to give you one piece of advice that helped me. The two things that helped me with this the most, of this idea of living for God's glory, is number one, this word famous, because I can wake up and say, I'm going to live to make God famous today. That's very concrete for me. But the other one is this concept. I want to show you 2 Corinthians 4, 6. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is found where? If you really, really want to see the glory of God, if you just said, Garen, what's the one place I can most see it? Where would it be found? In the face of Jesus, the Messiah. Take that word glory and let's put the word beauty in there because it's doxa, and doxa is about radiant beauty. The light of the knowledge of the beauty of God is found in the face of Jesus, the Messiah. And if you struggle, like, I'm not, I struggle finding God great or His weight. I struggle finding beauty in Him. You just pick up the Gospels and you start reading through that and, and you look at the face of Jesus and you will see the weight, the greatness of God displayed as He sets people free and heals the blind and the paralyzed and casts demons out of people and restores families and restores people back to God. You will see His greatness and you will see as Jesus walks the earth, you will see the beauty of God, the way He relates to women and children and the unclean, the way He relates to the poor, the way He relates to the powerful. You will find Him so beautiful. And the place we most see the beauty, the glory of God in Jesus, we're told in John 12 and John 17, is when He's on the cross. He says, when I'm on the cross, that is when I will most, that's when I would be most glorified, most lifted up. So it's really on the cross that we see the beauty and the greatness of God as He pours Himself out every last drop of blood for me and for you, for all of creation, to redeem and restore all things, but to restore me to relationship with Himself. And in the cross, I most find the beauty of God and His greatness. How great! Greatness isn't just power. Greatness is the ability to come and to serve and to suffer and die, right? That is true greatness. That's beautiful. So this morning, we're going to come to the table. And as we do, can we do it in this context of God's fame? Especially of, of His weight, His greatness, and His beauty, especially seen in Jesus, especially seen as we take this bread and the juice. And it says that after taking the cup, He gave thanks and He said... 
take this and divide it. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is poured out, poured out for you, broken for you, poured out for you. Matthew says, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we're just going to, we have five stations. We have, we're going to have two up here, three in the back. And we just ask you to, to stand up. You can do it individually. You can do it with a group, as a family. And to go back, and they will serve you the bread and the grape juice. And just can we take it today with, a, with an eye to his greatness and his beauty? That we may fall a little more in love with him today. So, we're going to, our servers, we're all going to get to our places. Give me a minute to shift this down here. And then... Um, Again, you, there's two here, three in the back. Come to whichever one is most convenient. We also have two couples that are pray, willing to pray. So if you're needing prayer, the two back corner tables will have a couple to the left of it. And they're there. If you, feel, if you have a need to pray after you take the communion, this Lord's Supper, you can stop to them and share your prayer requests. Isn't God great? And is He not beautiful? Is He not full of kavod of weightiness, of doxa, of radiant beauty. And do we not most see it, him going to the cross for our sin? So may we as a community, may we come to know and experience him individually, but even as a community, Sunday in and Sunday out, experience him in his full weight and his full beauty. And as we grow in that knowledge and that experience, may he form and conform and transform us into the image of his son so that we may make him known by showing him to be weighty and beautiful. And we want to end with a song. It's an old classic that I love that Jen actually referenced, I think, two weeks ago, one week ago. Um, but just stay seated, and may we reflectively, just as we continue to think of his, his greatness and his beauty, may we sing this song with, Matt, with Robert. And as soon as we're done, you're dismissed to leave at your own pace.
So despised by the world as a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a Let's pray. Father, our, our heart's cry is just that you be famous. So that's what we long for. We want you to be known and we want to know you. So I pray that this week we would be mindful of your weight and your beauty and especially demonstrated on the cross and that our lives, you would change and transform us as we reflect on that and live that reality out in our daily lives. We pray in the name of Jesus, the one who left his glory for us. We pray in his name. Amen.